0: Hello, Hugh. Long time no see.
1: Hello again. Let me just increase the size of this. There we
0: are. Yeah. Here we are. Maybe like two days later, three days oh, later yeah. from our last chat, and uh, yeah, uh, we didn't we didn't really have the time to, to get through everything. So how about we just kind of pick up where we left off? As it sounds to you.
1: Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, I, really, I I wanted to get more into um, the formative process that yeah. we we started talking about, and we we. we We've been going round quite a, a few times now with respect mm-hmm. to active orientation and how it pans out with Davidov and the whole setting of a problem situation that can act as a as a mm. as a mold or a, or a, a, a means of drawing together um, um, perspectives from from the child or or, or adult in a sense. Um, we also last session we talked about um, where I introduced um, the idea of epistemological forms, which has um, hopefully starting to um, maybe bring some ideas into play for you or help to clarify certain things. I think that the um, the usefulness of this is well, there's there's multiple facets of it, but. Um, Hopefully, it's clear to you that you know th- there isn't isn't just categorically these five things. This is more. These are more helping to, to portray a landscape or uh, um, certain kinds of knowledge and how it pans out with respect to. Um, Development, cognitive development, and particularly it's important. like when we talked about mental tools and these other things, and how it's quite easy when you're considering all these other facets that Vygotsky talks about to um, forget about this epistemological side, which is very important because that's really what all the developmental, in the terms of cognitive development, particularly in you know in terms of thinking and the manipulation of signs, mm. this is uh, central to that. At least that's that's how I read it. Okay. So, um, hey,
0: before, before you continue, and I'm sorry to interrupt. Mm-hmm. I, I, I talk and think a lot about situations and situational awareness in my own teaching because I, I kind of use a genre approach where okay. the, the concept is uh, every genre is in some sense like a situation that has typical features but also flexible fle- features. Mm-hmm. And whenever you're participating in a certain genre, like this one, for example, mm-hmm. um, the genre sort of shapes what's happening there to some extent, while the participants are also sure. shaping it. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to ask you if if I had my mind in that place as we moved forward, talking about uh, situations and active orientation, would that mm-hmm. be
1: a productive mindset?
0: Yeah, sure. Be okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, add that to your. There's a. It's a helpful distinction I can make there too. If you, I know you've got some questions that we're going to hopefully go through at the end, and you can bring that back. Bring that back again, and we can talk we'll about. we do. It. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so, these epistemological forms that I'm referring to, you can think about these in in a a few useful different ways, which you um. Conventionally, you might think of different different areas are not not so closely related, but hopefully, this, I'm going to show you that they they are closely related. Okay, so first of all, I'd say they they relate very closely to as I, was, I covered two days ago, mm. to a certain degree. They relate very closely to modes of reasoning or the kinds of logic that's used. So, if you recall, I talked about Vygotsky talking about three different variants of reasoning Mm. and development of it, and I showed how this related to epistemological forms. Okay, right. We also said, okay, this is form of knowing. It entails generalization. Um, Now, an an important facet that I want to introduce here is also saying that these epistemological forms um, are representative of degrees of sophistication of using signs. Okay I really want to just really slow down on this this point here and to think about think about this um, as much you know as much as you can entertain while Mm. thinking about everything else. Um, Signs are very important for Vygotsky and, and pretty much any form of psychology really or or even semiotics and and, and other forms um, another way to think about signs is and again here I'm talking about the personal personal um, construction and use of signs so I'm not talking about necessarily overt signs like. You would find on roads or, or 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 and such, saying you know stop or you know two miles to to the town and things like this. Of course, those are signs, but in the sense I'm using signs here, they are only signs in the sense I'm using when we treat them as signs, and we can treat anything as a sign. Okay. Um, Pierce is very good for this. If you look, if you if you come into contact with Pierce, he, he he's it can be confusing at first, but he's, he's very clear on how um, how pervasive signs are and, and their relationship to to interpretation and action and other things. So, for example, um, well, if I as you like to start videos sometimes, and you count with your fingers. Mm-hmm. You know this is a sign you know when you get to the third finger that 's a sign to start right so this is a movement, and this movement is acting as a sign just as anything else can It could be a noise, it could be anything literally anything within our within our perception can 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 act as a sign for us if we choose to to use it that way a-
0: anything that 's
1: potentially interpretable or just anything anything. Yeah, well, anything that we can bring our awareness onto, okay, become, it becomes activated as a sign when our awareness. Yeah, we we can. Yeah, we, we we can choose to do so. I mean, of course, when we get to become adults, we're usually quite proficient in many of these facets, and so we don't necessarily, it's we don't have to put much effort into 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 making use of these hallmarks. And I'd say it's quite intuitive for many things, but. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, we become more sophisticated with them. Um, now, so I'm saying signs are, or the, the, the use of signs like pointing, or using, you can use words, or all sorts of different features of signs, some of which, we, which have, uh, uh, work very well for communication, and others, perhaps less so. Just looking and paying attention to something, right, is effectively you, 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 you're, you've got sign manipulation in uh, at play. So signs are like one side of the coin, of which the other one is awareness. Okay, and you can often treat the two together. All right, so. Experimentally, you can be saying, "Well, I'm interested in signs," but you could say, well, "At the same time, that's the same thing as certain kinds of awareness." Okay, or well, what we, what, it, what, what you can talk about has been cognitive consciousness, the kind of c- consciousness that goes into cognitive work. Okay, mm-hmm. and of course, um, signs are very important for all sorts of um, what we might call um, intellectual work. Okay. To a large degree, is is uh, 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 play yeah a dominant role a role in that. Now, um, when we look at the development of different types of reasoning, hopefully you can start to see that the nature of the reasoning brings into play different configurations of sign manipulation okay. So if you have a kind of um, cause-effect nature of thinking you might say well this happens and then this happens and then this happens and then this happens all right and to some degree that what this structure is helping is, is laying out is saying I need to pay attention here, here, here and here and I know there's a causal relation and through my experience, I know I don't need to attend consciously to these points, all right? There are certain places I know where to look, well, that's telling me I need need to know where to look. So your reasoning is helping you in the manipulation of science or awareness and telling you where to look or where to expect things, where to put your attention, yeah? And that's one of the things that as a, as a child when you're, um, Learning and developing is you have to figure out these things. Where do I have to put my attention in particular areas? What's important? Um, so, as your reasoning improves, the richness of where to put your attention can develop too. Okay. Um, some examples we could think of. Um, hmm. Oh, let's take sort of something action-oriented to start with. Um, If well, let's take something dramatic. If a bird flew in, if I had it was summertime and the windows open, and 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 a bird flew into the into the room here. Okay, and the doors open, Mm -hmm. and I don't, you know, the 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 bird's getting very anxious. It's flapping around, making a lot of noise. I don't want the cat to get it or whatever else, and I don't, you know, the bird's the right panic and uh it's going to knock things over cause pandemonium and it's probably going to bird poo all, the, all over the place and what have you okay so i want to say well and it's moving around fast okay mm. so it's hard for me to just to to get it which,
0: which, ha- I, which, which happened in my house uh yeah it does very happen recently, sometimes. Yeah. It's, very it's recently quite, it was funny okay.
1: all right yeah it does have to, it's, it's quite dramatic mm. um now i also know that so this is one room of the house and it's quite confined so even though the bird is like moving around very fast and fluttering around all over the place and i might just i'm trying to get out the window i don't want it to go out the out of my um this room out of the door and into the rest of the house and create even more pandemonium all right so even though it's moving faster than i am i know how to confine it right and I can sort of, just like we we're talking about chess the other day, right, I can sort of usher it out if I'm careful, okay, or there's certain place I know where to look and know where to expect this to move, and that that is reasoning at play within, within, the, within this setting. Okay, so I want to make sure, well, first of all, If I'm not near the door, I want to make sure it can't get to the door and close it or whatever and just so I can confine things. I know I have expectancies of what's going to happen in this situation. And I think, you know, if you think about it, a lot of mastery of situations is um, confidence with respect to expectations to some degree, not always um, exactly what's going to happen. But this is where the epistemology can come into play is in terms of saying, uh, you get you start to get an understanding of what what knowledge is all about and its role in in life and you can you, you can start to get a confidence for a whole variety of situations or even in situations in which you get thrown into them and you don't really have a clue to start with but your knowledge about knowledge can help you in starting to structure things quite quickly. And so people will say, oh, God, that chap's a fast learner. He's only been doing it for a day. And he's mm. yeah, because you're you, you're tapping into something extra material that, that isn't, you don't, you're not, like I was saying, yes, uh, two days ago, you're not completely reliant upon this new domain because you have this meta knowledge. So in some way, the epistemology is like metacognition in, in, in this respect.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And none. and yet I'm still going to ask you to Speak for another forty-five seconds or so on that that guy
1: who's a fast learner. What, right. Okay. What is it? What is it that he might be? bringing? Well, he to just bear? he just knows where to look. Mm. Knows the relations between things. Right. Has confidence with it too. Knows he might. And it's not just intellectual knowledge. He can have, you know, uh, knows that emotionally he might be in a awkward situation, but he can he works with it and he he has confidence with these things it's it's not just um it's not just trickery right Mm. he's got genuine he's got genuine skills which enable him to have some or her to have these confidence situations just let's take another rather than an action-oriented situation let's take more of an intellectual position with respect to knowing where to look um i might be following um Following an, an argument or a description that's given, given um, a ma- mathematical treatment, okay. And I'm reading along and following it. And but the person who's I'm, I'm reading this work, and the, but the, the person's a mathematician, and I, yeah. I'm you know I'm, I'm okay with the mathematics, but I'm not. It's not my forte. I'm really not fine with it. And then all of a sudden he just makes this leap, and it you know it's like he says here we are in a situation you have these little points and because of this you have this bang something way out of my scope so how how did you get there right Mm -hmm. how does that relate and it may be some sort of um for me elaborate inductive process or something else but for him it's just like looking at saying well the door's over there it can only go out that way Mm -hmm. right it's the same thing right but just more of an intellectual space again it's because of the the, the nature of, his, of the reasoning at play it's just saying i don't need to f- bother out this stuff because i just know it's going to come out this end right mm-hmm. just because basically knowledge and again this as we we're talking about two days ago when we we're talking about differences between em- empirical and theoretical orientations this is one of the things that the theoretical orientation can give you sometimes is you just you can say through it through through genuine experience and understanding of these things, you can say, "Well, I know this stuff is necessary empirically, but I'd also know that this is where I'm interested, in and this is going to be the outcome, and I know mm-hmm. it's going to be showing up." There. It doesn't; it's not always like that, but um, I think you can make a case for it as being, you know, the, the, uh, a, a uh, an important an important facet. Yeah, that makes sense. And,
0: and briefly, when you when you encounter that huge leap that you weren't expecting and that you're not really sure what it means. Hmm. Um, what moves do you personally make at that point? Oh. So Cuz it's, it's it, because it's not that it's not that unrelated to my experience reading your, your paper <laughs> which well because I don't I don't have I don't have the background.
1: Sure. Sure, sure, sure. In I mean you have first, to bear in mind in ba- the first section
0: mind. in the first section you cite about 15 names that I haven't read and you're yeah. like you like to 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 accurately critique this paper you know right. you should be familiar with the following people and i'm like okay i'm still going to read it and maybe i'll get a chance yeah. to talk maybe i'll get a chance to talk one-on-one to get me a little closer but so what, what well, might you do in that moment
1: well a big again you can you can use your own knowledge about this i mean mm-hmm. it again you can say with your own exp- like it's with my own experience that i say well i have confidence with certain things mm-hmm. and you know when, when I'm reading other authors, it doesn't have to be psychology, it could be something else. And I can just respect their coherence and the rigor they apply. And that for me, I just know from that, right, that they're not going to, they're highly unlikely just to enter into some mm. waffly, uh, waffly um, um, approach to something. Everything they're doing is going to have some rigor. So you can—it's not like you can have complete faith in what that, that they're saying. Oh, what they're saying is gospel. Yeah, yeah. But you know that, that you they've gone a, through a, a process. Vet, you have
0: a good vetting process yourself,
1: also. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Fine. And you're just saying it's a discipline. I mean, it's you—if you—it's like um, college level mathematics. I presume it's college level mm. now, um, or might be high school, where 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 children are taught. or you come across induction, right? And induction in mathematics is is a bit like that because you're so you're going from fairly um, close relations to things. and all of a sudden when you get into induction you can go from you know uh, if you're talking about some inductive process, you can go from you know zero to a million in in, in basically one what inference because you just know that there's this recursive or, or iterative. Iterative process at play, and it just—it's—it's just, it's, it's just a, a leap from relative to 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 other processes. Um, but that's that's just a skill to work with, and that—that's, you know, that's that's one of the good a good argument for for keeping that sort of thing in the curriculum. But again, there's different ways to approach it, and
0: uh, yeah, and I have uh, I have the experience of being in two minds simultaneously like when i hit when i hit a block in my understanding mm. i'm like i'm like okay here i am at this block i'm going to keep reading
1: mm. and
0: and yeah. have faith and have faith that it's gonna untie itself and if it doesn't then i'm gonna go back to where i started yeah. <laughs> maybe go well, back and maybe back pedal a few steps
1: well it's an interesting i mean i'm not sure i consciously use this mm. to a degree but i do notice it it's an interesting um Authoring style that you can use to for, for, for engaging with things, and that's sort of if you're introducing little puzzles or problems up front, then that in itself can gain engagement. I mean, it's the same principle at play when you have, um, or like whodunit, mo- whodunit novels and, and other mysteries and things is that it's the, the not knowing aspect and wanting to know how something resolves yeah it can take you through and you can find this in if, if even sometimes it comes across very naturally because if you're as an author or if you're basically saying if you're you're basically giving uh your own um explorations as a kind of adventure story or something mm. because you're saying you know what well, i don't un- there's these this puzzle and you're sort of working it out with the with the reader at the same time even if it's retrospective mm. you can you can have this sort of get enge- engagement too so the the you don't need answers to these things straight away they can sometimes just the puzzle like with my explanation of Davidov the, the, the problem itself can help you to focus yeah right and uh, especially mm-hmm. once you're getting beyond formal logic explanations um, it's all about multiple connections between things and so when you've got a problem, that's a great start to actually, because you know you're saying not just how do I solve this problem, but you start mm. thinking about how does it relate to everything else, and now you talk about multiple facets, not just saying oh here's one category, here's another category, and maybe they have some causal relationship. Okay, get a bit more um, subtle, mm. subtle with it. Okay, and,
0: and sometimes maybe even going off to those. Outer connections can help you yeah. in the process of solving the uh, you know, yeah, the yeah, main yeah, problem yeah. at hand.
1: Yeah, I had just a very
0: a... quick comment, and then I did. I wanted you to um, continue because I did sort of rudely interrupt. Um, yeah, okay. One of my favorite writers is uh, James Koch, and General. one of the things that one of the things that I loved about him because he was one of my first encounters with Vygotsky,
1: mm. and
0: he, so he would write about four or five pages, which were complex for me at the time and still somewhat are and then he would basically recap what he just said like habitually okay like, all the way through and i i just love that writing style because uh yeah. there's like a certain I, I don't know but it's almost kind <laughs> it's, almost, it's almost like <laughs> yeah cooperative in a way with his yeah,
1: yeah 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 i i really liked um james yeah. bush as well and uh you know he he i think with some of the translations work he did like for example, examples uh uh um foundational book on um this kind of psychology um which he called uh i think it was like the concept of activity or something like this that that, that he he uh he uh i think he did the translation work for i think or very instrumental anyway and, and, but he also there's his book on mind as action i really enjoyed and numerous papers um i think yeah, but his interest in this area is, I think. Well, I don't know what he's been writing or, or or more published more recently, but my my take on on it on a lot of his writing was that it, it he had a, a particular set of interests, and he he wasn't trying to embrace embrace all of it and mm. um, and show how it all all, all fits together. There's and there's certain things I think where he, where I, I was detecting. Well, actually, I think he was getting certain things confused. But mm. um you know, a large part of it, especially all the mediation aspects, I thought were great. You know, and there's some really nice analogies that he comes up with, like the pole-vaulter and other things. I just mm. need to put the light on, and um let me just take these off. And... You got it. cloudy overcast day and uh, yeah 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 My well, favorite kind of <laughs> yeah well technically we're nearly a winter now aren't we so yeah
0: we had we had our first snow yesterday
1: oh okay yeah it was yeah. nice right
0: so i took you a little bit off track there so okay you could pick up wherever you think is best
1: yeah so we're to, i'm talking about um facets of These epistemological forms, their relationship to different modes of reasoning, and how this pertains to personal knowing, generalization, Mm. use of signs, uh, awareness, knowing where to look, and uh, knowing about consequences. Okay, so logical corollaries and and all the rest of it. Okay, Mm. and This all can be encapsulated by what you said, your your um, personal epistemology, and you see how that relates to your logical reasoning. So even though you can use your logical reasoning in in any any skill, particularly mental skill, it's very closely related to how you understand the world too. Right? Okay. All right um now the way this um, has a bearing particular bearing within the system of uh formulated system that 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 i use to 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 look at activity mm. um Is closely related. Well, you know, I, when I was putting it together, uh, it, for me it was just like saying, "Well, this is mostly activity theory, but there's other aspects that I'm I'm bringing in, and uh, there's Vygotskian aspects you can relate to." Do. And uh, you know, I, <laughs> you, I, I certainly I I can I I'm confident in arguing a case of showing that the continuity from between them. Um, between activity theory and and uh cultural historical theory of of Vygotsky okay you just have to read between the lines quite a bit but anyway we we won't, won't go into that too much here okay um so i'm going to talk about signs okay and their use and um I also want to, need to introduce some elementary ingredients and how they come together with respect to actions. Okay. So an action is basically a, a, um, our process of doing something to achieve a, to achieve a goal. Simple goal, okay, and it's I, I treat it in a very similar way to Le- Leon Tive treats it, okay. But I say, well, actions um, generally consist of movement, okay, and thinking, but the thinking can be largely expressed or, or man made manifest through the use of signs, okay. Now actions, in the way that I'm using them and Leontife uses them, pertain to um, processes, personal processes undertaken with conscious, cognitive conscious control. Okay. And this means generally, just in the way our, our, our makeup is, I mean, I'm generalizing a little bit and I can go into some some uh, exceptions to this once i've gone through gone through the, the set of relations a few times is this, as a, is this as opposed to reactions is that one way to distinguish ah well no they're actually i can come to that actually okay, this, this okay. is a very it's a, it's a very important it's an important or an interesting point okay mm-hmm. so actions um generally talking about movement and use of signs. Okay. Now I can control my movement and make be conscious of it, or I can make a movement effectively without needing to pay conscious attention. I can pick up this mug and be talking at the same time. Okay? Now this is achieved because I've you know, as a very young child you you start to learn these things and you can our our makeup is such that that certain things that require um, conscious attention can be um, taken over to a certain degree and, and be undertaken automatically, okay, with a certain degree. Now, um, a better word to use than automatic in many of these situations, I would say is autonomic. And again, this is where some precision helps because mm. In my use of the word "autonomic," what I'm referring to is the opportunity to take conscious control over something. So, even though I have operations that can just, I can just do things, I don't have to pay hardly any attention to them. It's just a matter of wanting this to happen. Um, if I so choose, I can, I can override this automatic process, okay, mm. and, and make conscious attention of it. Okay, and this is just one of, one of the wonderful things about our our our, our makeup, how, how you know our, our architecture, if you like.
0: Yeah, and my my sense is that that word is going to become very important
1: soon in this conversation. All right. Is okay. That, okay. Okay.
0: So. It's just, just the which, idea of choosing, just the idea of choosing to attend and take oh, conscious okay. control over here yeah. to four automated processes.
1: okay all right well it's yeah yeah, it's it's a a key okay so why this is important okay is that um again things that we choose to have conscious control over are generally quite limited and usually take place uh, uh only serially or sequentially so we can generally and again there are exceptions to this but generally if we're putting conscious attention into things we just we it's about doing one action at a time okay and it's done slowly relative Mm. to how operations work it's done slowly Uh, so often if we're learning something new let's say um, we're playing some racket sport like tennis or squash and we're new to it and we've got we're trying to learn how to do a backhand stroke all right which typically might be harder than the f- forehand might be okay in the backhand you start off all over the place and you have to put attention into it yeah to get it right um this is going to start off quite slow and you just keep working at it paying attention to what's happening and what you're doing so yeah yeah i'm just coming back to saying that actions if the conscious actions are generally serial okay you can only generally do one at a time all right so if you are playing tennis and you're learning to do this backhand stroke you might find it difficult to concentrate on doing the backhand stroke whilst um having a talking about something at the same time or i recall you know when learning to drive a car for example doing you know, the it, um when you're consciously attending to what's going on you you don't necessarily want other things interfering, so even for like i don't know for like the first first year probably when I was driving because I wasn't driving every day for the first you know you, you need lots of experience, and I think I would deliberately have the radio off because I didn't want the distraction okay because you you're consciously mm-hmm. attending to to things. Now
0: um, I was try- I was trying to make a, a custard for the first time last night, and my <laughs> okay. wife my wife asked my wife asked me she's like what's the name of the uh, what's the name of the guy who plays James Bond? Those are some of my favorite movies, and yeah. I couldn't think of his name. I was so I was so focused yeah, yeah, yeah. on tempering oh. the eggs the right way. I oh, Simply couldn't manage. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the basic conversation, yeah. and yeah. and I'm guilty of that. Uh, even when I'm not doing something new, that's often yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about something or I'm yeah planning something, well, and I can't even attend to the thing that's well, right in well, front of
1: my face. Well, well, sometimes that 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 lack of recall is contextual as well. It's just you're in a different context, perhaps. You know, I mean, I have that all the time. Um, interesting point to make of that, actually. Maybe as you could add that to your long list of questions. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure we'll get to it, but. Yeah, you never know. Um, all right, so that's the conscious side. I'm saying it's quite serial. Now, um the operations which are um special actions, if you like, um don't require conscious attention. All right. And within the limits of the resources you have available to you can generally do lots of different actions, lots of different operations at the same time. All right. Now anyone familiar with Leontive also says okay that that um says oh well an action is made up of or composed of operations. All right? So you can say well a wall is made up of bricks okay and you can say an action is made up of operations. Okay you can do that and you say now that where the role of signs in this comes in, and where I'm talking about signs and particularly talking about external signs, is that the signs are the means of coordinating different operations. Okay. So you can have certain operations that um, will just do their thing and you don't have to attend to them. But if you're going to coordinate them via something that's um external and moves around or is variable right then there is a part of your conscious attention that needs to take place in this if you have a a jug of water and you're pouring the water into the a mug or something you're pouring yourself a glass of water okay this movement fine this movement fine but bring them together so you don't spill the water and you probably have to pay attention to to what you're doing okay Mm -hmm. Um, so many many operations which can happen happen on their own need a kind of glue, okay, to bring them together. Now, although we're saying okay, so now we've got this analogy between bricks and con- bricks, concrete and a wall, okay, where the wall is like action and the bricks are. A bricks are the operations, and the concrete is like signs. Um, that analogy only works so far, all right. And you might say that analogy is typical of the kind of thinking that might go into like formal logic where you want separate things, all right. Because now we can say, well, actually, the actions can turn into operations. Okay. I'm going to give you an example now. If we um, let's take a different domain. Let's say uh, for um, unusual reasons I want to learn a certain dance routine or something. Okay and um, it's quite elaborate and or maybe it involves moving my arm in a particular way or something okay and to get it right i think i i can adopt certain signs and say oh, it's got to go here and i've got to have my elbow like that and then bring it, or whatever there's certain things i need and i could just because you want to get it right and the rhythm and coordination and the rest now i can adopt and use certain signs for this and like i'm saying i'm saying the signs coordinate certain certain unconscious movements or operations okay but once I become familiar with this move, this set of moves, okay, I can find that I don't need to, uh, to pay attention to these signs or you can think about as external signs. I don't need to pay attention because there's other other signs or, 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 or indicators within my body like it's, it's prior perception, my sense of the body itself. And once I've got a feel for it, like sensi- sensorial pers- prior perceptive feel <clears throat> i know it's right just like i can put my hand behind the back and do something i can't see it but i just know that it's working right so there's <clears throat> other other resources that I have available to me now these internal signs are not really contingent upon anything else changing Okay. It's not like um, with the with the jug of water in the and the glass. It's not. It could be a different heights. Yeah. The, the, uh, my my steadiness might be different. I might be on a train and it's wobbling around and all, all sorts. Okay. Mm-hmm. But a kind of movement where everything is in integral. Everything is under my own personal control. Okay. That those signs that become used can detach themselves from necessity from my conscious awareness of them. Okay. So if I have a set of what start off as conscious actions that are not contingent upon external signs or where alternative signs can be adopted that are internal, then these use of these external signs can basically wither away and just leave a residue of of internal new signs Mm-hmm. and through the through the process of improving those op, those these these actions can turn into an unconscious operation and be conducted very very efficiently and uh, and and uh, very quickly that isn't going to put undue load on my conscious attention Mm-hmm. so I could be attending to other things so once you're really enjoying something you can you know once you know it you can be paying attention to, to other details so in that situation we have an example of where um, a set of actions can be completely transformed into operations okay we also have sort of a middle ground interesting middle ground where you can have actions which to a large degree can all be um, completely taken over by internal used signs but there still might be a residue of external signs that are necessary. Uh, Again we can use use the body movements as an analogy if you were, uh, let's say you were doing I don't know pull-ups or something you know and you want to jump up to the bar and then start whatever chin-ups or something you're doing. Um, there are certain parts of that which can all be internalized, but I'd take I'd suggest that the the business of catching hold of the bar is quite an important one, and you know that's again you've got certain certain parts of the process that are always the, are going to be external reference points within this this flow of movement. Um, the same situation can apply to what Vygotsky talks about in terms of um, oh the particular term is escaping me now Well he's talking about um, inner speech or internalized speech I forget the particular what's the phrase he uses
0: not internalization
1: yeah it's a particular term he uses for um, for speech I'm sorry it's slipped my that's slip my okay. mind a particular line. but anyway the whole point is that you can start when you've got this inner speech going go it starting to take place it's almost like you can if you're the kind of person who likes thinking with words quite a lot you don't need to repeat the whole word to yourself right it could just be little bits of the word
0: yeah right? it's not it's not abbreviation but it's something like that yeah
1: yeah but what i'm talking about Here is that 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 withering away of the unnecessary aspects, so you can end up just having just the bare essential signs that are necessary for this for this undertaking.
0: Almost, almost a sense, which is like the. It's almost like you could imagine a, a thing that's almost completely wizard, withered away, ghost-like, but there's still a sense of it there, which is enough.
1: Yeah, you know, or just 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 whatever the the, the bit that's actually used. Mm-hmm. The necessary necessary part that's that's used, um, and the rest of it, there can still be signs at play, but they're they're different to the original configuration of signs. So signs you can think of in this perspective is like the, you could think of them, different another analogy. You could think of them like the the knots in a net, like in a fishing net. All right, and you or how to basically delineate something. You know, I'm always talking about drawing lines around things, and that's sort where of, you could be doing this in, in practice in terms of how you construe an object. What's the important part? Yeah. What part of the mug do you reach for when you're picking it up? The, all these these points where you have attention at play, the signs are implicated.
0: But, very, very quickly, did you ever see that uh, passage? It's pretty famous on the internet where it's about, about a paragraph long and every word is jumbled but the first and last letter of each word is in its proper place okay. and it's super easy to read.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Is this is this another sort of analogy that we might use here?
1: Um, to a certain extent, yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, because um, again, there's there's critical parts of the of the words that are indicative to us. I mean, the other thing, there's other clues in the sentence. <clears throat> you know, we we we're expecting a grammatical construct. Yeah and we expect we expect the nouns and verbs to be in particular places and that sort of thing but yes particularly with respect to uh just key parts structural structurally important parts of 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 words or other or other features that um that we we might rely upon it's interesting it's
0: interesting how much we could understand with that that like fully processing every every bit of it you know just
1: yeah 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 yeah. and hopefully you can see how this relates to what i was talking about a bit earlier when i was saying about uh knowing where to look Mm -hmm. okay okay so so far i've introduced
0: is 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 knowing where to look always learned or is that a sort of human nature innate thing like the body knows like that kind
1: of concept
0: or is that is that a Topic for
1: another time. <laughs> um, well, some of the interest, interesting questions come from you can go back in time to a certain degree, and then you think, well, you always ask the question, well, where did that come from? And where mm. did that, you know? So, uh, um, probably a question for another time. Yeah. 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 yeah okay. Uh, so, I was saying, I've introduced operations actions signs i've talked about movement okay and i've related op- so now i can more clearly sort of associate operations with movement to a large degree i'm suggesting you can op- you can associate signs with thinking to a large degree not fully okay now um big piece that i we haven't put into context here is what i'm calling active orientation and the role of active, orienta- active orientation in expressing intention or the the task at hand or the object of activity to a certain degree these can be treated synonymous in this particular context okay mm. now in the same way that actions but be- can become operations and vice versa an operation can become an action when we choose to pay attention to it because they're autonomic well not all, all they're not all autonomic there's some things we can't pay attention to and check and control okay depends how we learn how we how we how we how we construct these operations for example there's some areas like i have uh, certain techniques that i don't have full control over and um, but if I relearned them in a different way, then I, I probably would, but it, it's not an important feature for me. Um, but the the active orientation or the object of activity can itself transpose into actions and likewise actions can become. Something bigger. I don't really see that as such so such a strong um interplay as the actions and operations, but that just might be because it's an area of my focus is on some of the more detailed aspects of, of, of this of the kind of things I've been looking at. Um, now you asked a question about well, you brought brought up a difference saying, Well, what's the difference between actions and reactions? Yeah and within this system one thing that we haven't i haven't brought brought into play yet is the role of emotion okay and i would like to suggest that in this system of that when, when one is constructively and doing things in an active sense of working with objects and trying to achieve goals and you have intentions is that the natural role of, in, of emotion is in regulating actions. Okay, now by regulation I mean sort of molding and shaping actions, particularly and reactions too. So when we have an intention to do something, we might formulate a strategy, okay, and that strategy is going to comprise of many actions. Now, this isn't, this is, this may or may not go to plan, and if it doesn't go to plan, we might there will be there may well be it's, well it depends on the nature of the the situation we're in, but we can quite easily find emotions take being coming into play because they're nature because the emotions themselves can function as a as a means of marshalling resources, they're a kind of resource and energization, if you like, of of and um, if the actions aren't going the way we want them to go, then emotions can start take, coming into play and actually uh, help to to to, con- to mold or construct new actions. And you can think of these, particularly when emotion is at play, as a reaction. You are reacting to the to this to this, in- effectively. Although you are conscious, you consciously have an intention you can react to that intention not going the way it, you wanted it to. All right. Maybe you can relate this to your own experiences. I find with a lot of these things, so because it sounds like there's lots of things I'm introducing, mm-hmm. if you try and relate this to your own experience and it, it sh- hopefully you find that it, it maps on fairly accurately. Okay, So now I'm not saying that's that's the only role of emotion, but within this activity system, that's I would say a, a predominant role for it. Of course, if you're in the throes of emotion and it's very um, uh, quite uh, quite strong emotion, that's going to affect everything. You know, like you might be agitated, and it's going to affect your movements. Might even affect your you know that you can't think straight, and uh, you know everything. Everything can get disrupted, but other other kinds of emotion, it's more like it's more like just a kind of uprising, and and you're like ah, I need to need to need to alter course,
0: yeah. Okay.
1: Which in itself can redirect your conscious attention and say so. That's like a, a formulation of, of reactions.
0: Yeah, I have a I have a appreciation for what you're saying because I have sometimes a, a natural bias toward thinking of the word emotion in a, maybe a more negative sense than
1: okay,
0: <laughs> but, 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 I mean, I use my emotions positively, but I, I, I don't, I'm not consciously thinking of them as emotions. Right. Um, let me say it this way. Like I, I like the, uh, Stephen Covey formulation of, uh, is like his first habit out of seven, which is essentially, uh, to be proactive is to try to live in the space between Stimulus and response. Try to stretch that space out. Where before, before responding, like willy nilly, like try to uh, process your options. Mm. And that is a very emotional space, right there. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: Especially if you if you if you know if you have a sense of where you want to go. That can shape your decision making because whenever you could recognize that you're in a moment, you know you're in a reactive moment, you have choices. yeah. you could slow down time, so to speak. Absolutely. So everything you're saying is sort of bringing my attention there, but but you're, okay. you're bringing a positive spin to it that is a little bit lacking.
1: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to, I mean, well, one distinction probably you need to make is between emotion and feeling, and feeling is kind of more of a, a refined, you know, if you're reading a piece of uh, nice literature, mm. the whole point is probably to evoke some feelings and sense of it, but that's more refined. I would say it's it's, you're not, it's not like the raw emotion of things it's more um, cultivated. Mm. And of course, you know just as people have certain people have preferences for thinking, there are many people who have can conduct a lot of their reasoning or, or, or cognitive work emotionally, and I'd suggest it's the feeling, nature that they're accessing, and that can be sort of so rather than thinking about mm. strategy necessarily there's more like how do i maneuver through a situation or or what kind of re- what value what do i value and how how can those values be harmonized mm. so you can foreground either of them but yeah. generally i think you find that often people have preferences one way or the other and uh it's a skill to bring both into play i think to have
0: yeah that's interesting
1: mm-hmm. you often have people like you know headstrong thinking people who 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 um, don't necessarily have that subtle control of of emotion it can can easily once they get caught up in it then that can that can funnel their their attention in particular ways which you know might they might subsequently regret and but the same thing can happen in people who have fine control of their their, the nuances of feeling enable them to perhaps control their emotions somewhat but I think emotions are notoriously difficult to control, uh, but they're not so exercised in the thinking capacity. So all of this can feed into, once you start digging more into psychology and you've read around quite a lot and done your own thinking, it's like me, you could, you could sort of integrate all these all these points. And I think that's, yeah. that's part of the, well, for me, it's always been part of the interest.
0: Interesting. And we probably have maybe less than 30 minutes. Okay. But, but I'm still gonna ask a quick question. Um, is is this concept of getting caught up in the moment or in the emotions um is that an indication of uh shoddy active orientation
1: oh. well um i'm not sure there is such a thing as shoddy active orientation. i mean you could say uh one is always in, in my sense if you're working with things you you always have an orientation like your your psychology is somewhere it's you're attending to particular things so it's something that's always manifest but if you're thinking about the the active orientation in, in the sense of awareness of where my well how i'm oriented then then yes it's going to be somewhat restricted i mean an interesting relation i i i i make or think about is that if you, for lack of a better phrase, if you're able to hold your orientation or intentionality with some degree of plasticity, all right, so although you, you know, if you're in a situation where, you know, which is delicate for example, you come into this situation and you just say this thing needs to be done and you're just focused on that's your intention okay now you're setting yourself up for a little fall here because you're basically hardwiring your emotions to 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 kick in in particular times which might not be conducive to the situation Um, because at least as my understanding most of us don't really have conscious control or easily control emotions, particularly when they, when they, when they, um, when they're when they're actually manifest. But one way you can control your emotions is by recognizing it. Particularly in this role that I'm talking about, in terms of regulating actions, mm. is recognizing that emotions are effectively mediating between your intention and the actions, and your intention if you if you have awareness should be under your conscious control or maybe under your kind of conscious control if well for, for adults i'm not talking about for young children right so by attenuating your 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 intention you can control your emotion right so if you suddenly say oh i'm not gonna, this thing isn't so important to me now mm. literally actually redirect your intention if you can do that, then you have control over your emotions to a large degree. I mean, maybe it's not going to work out all the time. You're still going to mm. get tripped up. But
0: um, but it's but, possible, yeah, it's probably possible to do that so frequently and so often that it becomes in itself autonomic to some extent.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, Leon Tive makes this point a little bit, but I think you can go beyond Leon Tive and actually, to a certain degree, you can see how operations, actions and and this third level, which I'm mostly referring to as active orientation, but you could say the object of activity, they um, They can be formed from each other. All right, so I wouldn't say it's not necessarily accurate to think of them as just three separate units and one is built out of the other out of the other. Okay, because uh, Generally, we're starting off with actions. And you can build for them. So there is, it's perfectly permissible to think about this, I think, in a recursive or composite fashion. Just the ways language and other forms of expression, other uses of, you know, in mathematics and programming and all sorts of different things, um, you can have a recursive structure. Even action, even movement. I've seen, you know, formulations about systems of movement which can likewise be recursive and and Mm. certainly that's that can apply to 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 or and to activity theory and the way i construe it and Mm. uh uh, yeah so i've only gone around this once um Probably, as I said, the signs part of probably the, is the important point. And uh, my treatment of signs, I would say, well, at least in my impression, is 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 very similar to the way that uh, Luria and Vygotsky treat them, and even and in people, you know, that that are I have read under the umbrella of uh, activity theory treat them. And um, this is I I use them in my study in order to because if you if you by looking at the configuration of signs in the at play, you can discern strategy, and from strategy, you can discern orientation. Mm. And these are very important points in my in the, the experimental work that I was producing. Um, and in this work, you can also see what's what called like what I'm referring to is morphogenesis of these, of these processes. So you can see how something starts off as an action. So in my work I'm looking at the um, formation of, of letters mm-hmm. drawing and you can see how how a child starts off, um, I'm just going to do it from my perspective so it's be backwards for you. It might start off with an A, like we would just draw an A like this, but even given guidance they're going to be a bit shaky and stop and start and what have you. And slowly come to become more fluent okay and there are distinctions you can make in this fluency with respect to operations so a nice term that one uh practical oriented activity theorist uh, is deceased now unfortunately uh um i think it's i think his name was Chris's name is gregory and his surname is bedney and uh he wrote some books that were useful for me because they're quite practical Technically oriented, they weren't developmental books, but they were looking at how to how to study movements and things like this, and relate them to 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 activity theory or his his variant of activity theory. Um, you can use clues like pauses as indicators of thinking processes. I think I was referring to this before in, in one of my earlier you know one of our earlier conversations um and through studying this in my case using a computer to record the process of movement because it's all done with it's all touchpad sort of stuff so you can record all the movements you can see how this the morphology of these movements can change over time you can see how where the signs crop up moves over time and so you can see the trans transformation of actions into operations if you like okay but not only that you can see how signs are being used so in my experimental work i use i reuse some of gal Perrin's framework for this because he, he looked at handwriting but i've got a different intention because i'm looking at i'm looking at can i discern the mm. active orientation itself rather than rather than the focus that that, that gal Perrin had and but i can so I'm using a lot of these, um, so I use Galper and some of framework and look at how you can have basically two activities. Okay. One activity is a planning stage. Another activity is an execution stage. And look at how, whether the two relate to each other. So mm-hmm. as a young child, start off showing them and saying basically basically not even worrying about this first activity you say you give them this letter to draw and you're already providing a lot of um, guidance so i start off by providing basically a corridor within which they need to draw okay so there's only a few things they need to bear in mind and that's the where you start and where you end and the direction you go and everything else Basically, says you have to you have to stay within that corridor mm-hmm. to complete the letter that's like first stage this, by the way, is addressing some of your questions about how do I bring active orientation into play. OK, so this is the indication because I'm working here with a very young child He's only early, very, very young four year old. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's starting position. Next position, let's take the corridor and let's just put some, we also have some dots in it. OK, now at this stage, you could just ignore those dots, those guys guardian marks and just still do the, the, the movement, right, the corridor, right. But he 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 so chose that he was going to pay attention to them. And you know, when I introduced them, I said, "Well, these are are some extra guidance, right? You might pay attention to." And so, noticeably, his in my processing of the data, I could see that, and also just being able to watch while he was doing it, I could see that these marker points are starting to be used Mm -hmm. signs. Okay. Once, he's, once he gets, once he gets quite, to quite a good proficiency with that can I say right now we're taking the next step okay now we're going to remove that corridor and just have those signs at play all right so now he has to do dot to dot and go around but he has to remember where to start there's other things he has to remember okay because he could easily with an a if there's a particular configuration of dots right he might and the, the the beginning of the a is here mm-hmm. so he starts here and then goes round say for example it might he might easily confuse it and it'd take this point or this point is the beginning of the a and therefore he ends up with an a like something like yeah. that or something mm-hmm. it, so he has to remember other aspects this, he hasn't got all the information there this is just a uh, extra guiding information it's not telling him everything he still has to have some sort of residue residue impressions about mm. about what he has to do. Now when he gets good at using those dots to make those that letter we can now move on to a second stage of saying okay originally I gave you those dots now we're going to have a first stage activity you're going to choose where to put the dots or well not first stage actually because he's so young age you want to try and avoid all the you've really been really really careful here right so saying well those were the dots where we had them now you have to put the dots in but i'm showing you where to put them so he has to go in this week he says oh one there one there one there one there one there and if he gets them right then we move on to the next stage okay and now he draws the letter you follow me Mm -hmm. so now now although there isn't there isn't a hell of a lot for him to do in this first stage he still has to get it right okay so he's got one, a st- first stage activity, second stage activity. Once he gets happy with that, move on to the next stage. Now we say, okay, here's the letter. So it's drawn on, you can see the A, right? Choose your own points, all right? You choose where you're gonna put your guiding points here. So he puts the guiding points on, and then moves on to the activity of actually drawing the letter but now his guiding points come up not the original ones right mm-hmm. now you could start to look at and say well is he using the results of that first activity in this second activity all right because there's a kind of communication that needs to take place okay and with the young children it's probably not going to happen because they can't do this planning business all right mm-hmm. But in the study that I was doing, I started to show that how um, it was my child who I was working with, just mm-hmm. convenience and ethics and everything else. It just say, well, "Okay, we we'll just do." It. Um, how it, how I in must captured in the studies, the the um, new formations, if you like, the new new capabilities of starting to use this. This planning, planning activity in in the actual activity itself, okay, mm-hmm. and this is starting to so say is starting to show this thinking about what you are doing aspect, okay. Um, but again, it's like you know the, these signs represent where put where to put your awareness, and again, he could easily get this slightly wrong. Mm-hmm all right so this stuff but all this stuff he's having to do himself is have to think well, what does this mean for he's him
0: starting to take over he's starting to yeah. take over these things
1: yeah yeah yeah. but now so in this sense i've managed to slowly guide this process where originally i was given the whole basically all the guidance mm-hmm. and then bit by bit i just slowly yeah giving more over more over to his control now the other thing bear in mind okay is that he would do multiple letters so although he becomes very familiar with letters like a b c d e or well it actually doesn't go that way because they start off with uh, you, in the junior, in primary school at least here there's a particular sequence of letters that go through they don't go from a to a to z they start oh. with s and there's a Pers. yeah a particular particular sequence so although he might become familiar with certain letters there's others that he won't be so you can always test out to see whether he has this a generalized ability coming into play but that's the that's the kind of method so you're looking at the use of signs what they imply about strategy you can see whether he's actually using them effectively okay and so this really nitty-gritty kind of really low level right stuff where you're measuring microseconds Mm -hmm. you're saying what counts as a slowing down what counts as speeding up whether oh. something is deviated or not whether it's a ballistic movement and the, micro, of...
0: and the micro microseconds indicate what sorts of things
1: well uh, if something slows down it, it's indicating paying attention close attention so you're either trying to regulate regulate the movement and get it right or you're not sure or you're thinking about mm-hmm. other things it's basically you're saying well there's you can effectively say um, a shortcut you think of as status as a sign all right now you could easily if you had more apparatus and more time and more resources you could easily bring more things in particularly with technology we have now so in 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 a lot of cognitive work people are using um, eye tracking devices and this sort of thing mm-hmm. so you could i could easily expand on what i've done and use eye tracking devices to actually demonstrate that one is looking that there's a correlation but already within within the experimental data and the references that I make to, to, to Bedney and others, there's, there's, there's good reason to, that you can use um, timing information to be, uh, you know, highly suggestive that there's, there's other thinking processes at, at work.
0: Very interesting. If, if uh, as a consequence of doing this fine-grained level of observation and work, and the understandings that you have reached as a result mm. do you can you move any of that into other domains where oh, you're sure. trying to teach the same person or even yourself
1: or yeah, yeah. And, well and, for, for, first yeah, of all, first of all it's just demonstrating the coherence of the whole thing right so even though we could be talking very high level things where so we're not getting down into these details
0: mm-hmm. but yeah yeah
1: the, but in we are we are you know a large a large um a large part of our life is our bodies and how we you know they they play a, an integral role into things and operations and actions and signs are I i would suggest that's a good system i mean you might be there might be other ways to construe all this okay mm-hmm. coherently but in my experience of my reading around this is a, this is a good formulation okay to, to, to bring it together now, in terms of what I wanted to set out to, to talk about in this second part that's, that's pretty much it. I mean the mm. rest of it I think is just elaboration and showing its relevance and, and significance of it. Yes. I think that at least for some people in, in this area that the novelty that I'm bringing forward or, or at least highlighting for them might be first of all this notion of epistemological forms really making it very clear that development is very much about this not just importing culture all right Mm -hmm. but there's this personal development of understanding going on and then showing that this entails the the uh sophisticated or, or degrees of sophistication in the use of signs so there's really you know fine very fine details mm-hmm. right that 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 do play a very strong part in in the la- the larger scale side of things okay mm-hmm. it's not that the, it would be inaccurate to treat all this in terms of saying oh we don't need to worry about the little blocks all right or the little things we can just focus on the on the bigger stuff it, you you really wouldn't have the the um subtleties mm. at, at to hand to 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 you know because I think you can do do a lot with it
0: is it possible to do that, that's great is it is it possible to do a to structure an experiment similar to the one you did with the letters but mm. with uh, say eighth graders doing a writing task
1: yeah yeah sure um you might have to think a little bit because if it's all if it's all um
0: i was just wondering the degree to which it would map on to a, yeah. you know like a higher level or you know a higher level activity well or or maybe i shouldn't it, say higher level because at, at the at at four you know that's that's as high level
1: well, as let me, let me, a writing rather, task is
0: at age 13.
1: Rather than speculate too much, I mean, I can come up pretty quick-fire areas where you, which would be interesting to look at. For example, you can look about look at effectiveness in reading and using eye tracking and that sort of thing. Okay, as indicators and and how much toing and throwing is going on. Mm. Okay, uh, that sort that sort of thing. Um, there's prob. you could probably i reckon you could probably dig into the mode of reasoning and the kind of associations at play and and the nature of the signs where where the um where you'd have to think a bit differently of course is because words are, are they they they're presenting us a, a certain level of abstraction or a platform about activity to a certain degree because we have this abstracted word the word meanings referring to undertakings. And so there's there's this linear aspect to the words. But you might there might be an interest you could look at probably very interesting things about, for example, um relationships between the way the words are used and the way people actually undertake activities as well. Could be quite interesting. In a, in, a, in a different domain i can think about other things in a different domain with for example in mathematics I've, I've which i've actually read papers about um it ties in quite closely with other researchers some some i've i've talked to a little bit who are doing who've done work on what they call anchoring mm. and this they're, they're looking at for example they were looking at for example how children's comprehension of say graphs okay or the use of graphs was was dependent on their on on um, their sign usage to a certain degree okay now uh, in my thinking about this I was saying well I think you could probably take it a step further and say that until these um, operations were fully, fully manifest and formed then they probably couldn't start to employ reflexive skills on it so the the noticing of the signs knowing where to look again okay the what they were call anchoring is basically knowing where to look and how to extrapolate the right information from a graph um, you could probably apply that to the li- to to um, literature as well i just um, i would just have to think about it for a while
0: yeah I, I love the idea of the uh the corridor and then the dotted line and then the points yeah. and and all of those things sort of yeah, slowly yeah, yeah. fading away because that's yeah. that's a You've, a fair yeah. amount of my teaching is sort of doing that but it, you know in a different in a different way yeah,
1: yeah so if you well if you if you i'm f- fairly sure that if you um if you gave me indicators of what kind of guidance yeah. you give in at a really you know starting from very close guidance to more looser forms of guidance probably think up some sort of system out of that mm-hmm. so um
0: and i have a couple minutes and then i have to go teach um
1: yep okay but
0: i want to just give you a couple questions real quick that if if any of them are quick to answer give it a shot and uh uh i'll start from hardest to easiest oh. <laughs> Okay. So the first one is, and I put it in the chat if you wanted to read it as well. I, I said, uh, "How might one teacher introduce the concept of active orientation? Maybe mm-hmm. even, maybe even introducing it in a Davidovian way." That was question
1: one. Um, a good way would be if you had the time is in a sort of memory exercise. I think uh, you can say. Um, Trying to do a similar activity in different ways, and demonstrate how powerful it is. Yeah. And the 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 there's papers I can show you on this. Um, yeah, some very good papers that basically showing effectively that the structure. Yeah, it's showing the the rel- the relationship between the structure of activity and the structure of memory that you get from it. Okay, you could almost think that it, it's like an imprint. All right, if you almost. Um, the impressions will come at you. So, so if you the degree, not only degree of engagement, but the whole, the structure, the way you think about a problem, your memory is already forming in that process. It's not. It's not like your memory is. This is one of the issues I have with with, with Vygotsky's. It's not like your memory is a separate unit that you plug in at certain points. Right. Your memory is available in, in all facets, and you're forming it in the process. So it's. So it's, it's it's natural that your your memory of of activity of what you're doing is going to reflect exactly how you did it. So if you're doing it in a very rich way, you're going to have very rich rich memory of it, mm-hmm. and it's going to help your recording. Okay, that's that's Makes one way. Makes
0: sense. Question two is: uh, I know you, I know the answer to the first part, but is is active orientation a good or important concept for teachers to know about and what makes you say so?
1: Um, yes. Um, hmm. Because uh, their development is very important. Development of children, I would say is very important. One, one um, interesting, uh, well, it's interesting, it could be alarming depending on your perspective, but you see that the, this kind of development doesn't necessarily happen of its own child themselves has to take them through it the agent themselves has to take them through it but also that you could that once if you start thinking about the space you can see how if you get consolidated in one one way of reasoning and you just stick with that it can be very hard to actually try to break out of that system all right these different degrees of these epistemological steps you could think of to a certain degree like the different shells that a hermit crab can go through Right and they are discrete to a certain degree they don't just they're not necessary so they're not like a completely contiguous there are i think structurally there are discrete steps just like Vygotsky talks about the necessity for personal revolutions you you have to basically consume the old way of doing things and and lay a new foundation okay which is part of this reorganization Mm. and um, that can take work but if you've Become too cozy in your way of doing things. It become can be hard hard to get out of this. And this is one interpretation you can look at. Say um, personality and psych and psychological development among adults is that, you know, they develop on certain fact features and other ones they're just happy, happy where they are. So mm-hmm. there is personal responsibility, but you don't want to overly. It you know it's a shame that schooling is so empirically focused, where it doesn't it doesn't uh, facilitate this personal adventure this this of understanding which is the exercise that's actually necessary to achieve this reorganization
0: interesting interesting i love the word adventure there too and i have one more question maybe too okay in in 30 seconds or less uh, (laughs) what has active orientation allowed you to unlock
1: or at least to see more clearly um well Oh, it's big. It's a as I say. I, I for me, it's interconnected ideas and in lots of different ways, and it's a fulcrum for many facets, uh, including new things that I'm coming across. Um, so it's a great bridging point. Um, as I say, it's a problem that I've been working with for probably twenty years. Mm. You know, in the, on the in the background, um, all my draft papers touch upon it now, pretty much right now. I didn't really I wasn't so conscious of that before that, that I was just thinking oh these are different areas but actually they all touch upon it and um, yeah it's it seems to be that's my you know it seems to be you know if I've if I've got a research topic then that's what it's being yeah mm. So. Mm.
0: and then my final question and thank you again it's really good to see you um, in 20 seconds or less <laughs> uh, what does it mean to get smarter mm
1: well different kinds of smartness you know you know diego maradona is pretty smart about some things Mm -hmm. right you know so but in my sense i'm talking about this epistemology and that's sort of cognitive smart that's what i'm talking about yeah knowing where to look etc
0: sounds good sounds good okay um keep in touch
1: yeah you want to come back with more then you know but yeah, I, I feel you know I have I, more but yeah you know, I feel satisfied that at least I've got this out you know I know yes. that we haven't spent much time on it but at least I'm saying look it's not just active orientation there's the whole system behind it okay right. you know you could talk yeah. about active orientation in terms of this this mesh and network of signs and say this whole configuration is expressive of a particular orientation there's work in different ways
0: yeah and I, I have to say um, I would recommend this this project that i'm doing to anybody with his okay. or her own interests because it's it's very cool to uh you know talk talk to the people that you're wanting to learn mm. from and then to talk to, and then to record it and then to yeah. have access to mm. to all of it and then to actually put labels on everything that was talked about okay like yeah. when i'm labeling the videos it's a very interesting process that's a big part oh, of oh, my oh, learning
1: this is part of your signs you know yeah totally there's, this, there's that constellation of different yeah
0: and then like now this five-minute segment is now something i could sort of put in my pocket you know put it away
1: hmm.
0: pull it out whenever i need to yeah so, it's cool okay i gotta good. get to work uh all so right. so good to see you and yeah. uh yeah we'll keep in touch cool thanks again yeah. okay hope you enjoy it all right, right bye bye cool. ciao.